Well, we're looking at the antithesis statements of Yeshua in Matthew chapter 5. Last week we focused on how his sermon and these statements are really the heart of God for his people. And they no way undermine Torah or take away from Torah, but what they really do is more fully explain God's intention in giving the Torah. And we applied that to our community, and we asked ourselves, how do we become this type of community? And what we decided is that we needed to fill this place with those who speak loving speech toward one another. That don't follow the edicts of the law, but have God's love so permeate their hearts that the Torah, as lived out by the Pharisees, is nothing more than archaic principles used to condemn us, but now fall short of our righteous lives. That's the way Yeshua lived out his life. His walk so exceeded the commands of God in the Torah and the walk of the Pharisees that the commands, and particularly the penalties for failing the commands, no longer applied. And don't get me wrong, the Torah still stands. As Yeshua says, it will never be abolished. It's the standard. But it's possible to live lives that render it no longer applicable. And so we decided that the way to do this was to fill this place with people who don't have anger on their lips. Those who aren't concerned with the problems, those who are concerned with the problems their brother is facing. A community where rules of men are replaced by prayer lines and relationship with the Holy One of Israel. Who are not satisfied to leave the house in the morning till they have the Word of God for their lives for that day that have spent the time it takes with God to be able to have Him follow you throughout the day, to walk with you throughout the day, walking in the footsteps of Messiah because you're led by the Spirit of God. We need to be a people with a heart to serve the Master, a people who are not so concerned with teachings online as they are staying in line with the teachings of the community. A community of people that mourn for and heartbroken for those who are heartbroken that come in amongst us, who welcome them. A community of people that is secure, content and happy because they have been poor in spirit. They cried out to God. A community of people who realize that they can't make it on their own. They need God. They need the leading of God to walk through this life. A community of people so content and secure and happy in what Yeshua has done for them that we are the salt that brings savor and permanence to the lives of those around us. Who bring light, peace, and blessing to those in the world who are searching to know the King. A community who want to sit at the feet of the Master only and grow dusty in the dust of His feet who want to weep the same tears he weeps, who carry the same burden he carries, love those he loves, hear and feel his heartbeat and walk to the heartbeat of the Master, who want the Lord Yeshua to overpower their lives, to lead them through life, so that all they can do is his heart in all things, who are so overwhelmed by his love that they're still weak in the knees. Amen? Remember being weak in the knees? So the question is, how do we get to that place? And that's what Yeshua is telling us in these, in these chapters of Matthew. He's telling us how Sar Shalom can get to such a place. Yeshua is giving us some clues in these statements. 
And with going through these things, I want to, over the next few weeks, look at how we can achieve these things, how we can be this type of people. And so if we go back to Matthew where we left off last week, we're going to find that the next thing Yeshua speaks of is oaths or vows. Now if you look at the Torah, it's clear that the Torah allows oaths and vows. There's no, thou shalt not vow. Thou shalt not make a vow in the Torah. The Pharisees knew that. They had no problem with vows as long as you kept your vows, as the Torah said. But listen to what Yeshua says in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. And so right away, you have to ask yourself, is, is Yeshua doing away with the command that Laos vows, that all our vows should be fulfilled? Of course not. He's not forbidding his disciples from making vows, and we can see that in the book of Acts. As Paul, Rav Shaul, makes a vow. Goes to the temple with four others who have made a vow. So what he's saying to his disciples is that a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees is a righteousness of the kingdom. And it requires our speech and our interaction with one another, our word to be such that we're never questioned. He's saying that his disciples like him should be so far above saying or doing anything falsely, so far above not keeping their word that they should just be able to say yes or no. And this goes back to another command because usually vows were made in the name of the Lord. It goes back to using the Lord's name in vain. Do not use the Lord to bolster what you have to say. Keep your word and it'll be enough. Your yes will be enough. Your no will be enough. If you use the Lord to bolster your word, you sin by using His name in vain. Just let your yeses be yes and your noes no. He goes on in verse 38 to say this. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn your other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You know, we've spoken about this concept of mita connected mita, measure for measure, and how God's justice demands measure for measure. With the measure you use, it's going to be measured out to you. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that's measure for measure. And Yeshua tells us the same thing. God demands measure for measure. If we forgive our brothers, God will forgive us. And if we don't forgive our brothers, we will not be forgiven. But Yeshua tells us that our righteousness must exceed that. You know, the courts of the Pharisees would demand measure for measure as a standard. But Yeshua tells us in our own lives that we should not demand measure for measure for ourselves. But we need to go the extra mile to keep strife out of our life. If you exact revenge or even what would be considered, what you would be considered just, you're going to be the loser in the end. 
Keep your heart clean and not full of strife. Better to give all you have and walk away with a clean heart than have anger and resentment between you and your brother. And if you're quick to extract measure from measure, then measurement for measure will be quickly extracted from you. You see, measure for measure, when enacted by God, the eminently fair judge is justice. But when we go after measure for measure, there's a major difference. We're not the eminently fair judge, particularly in our personal matters. Verse 43 says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. There are two things that are clear throughout these instructions that are given from the mountain. First, Yeshua, He doesn't do away with any commands. The fact is, there is not one of these commands, Torah, that are done away with, but the bar is raised on each. And the reason is that the commands were given through a mediator. And a mediator represents two people, as Paul would say, but God is one. And Moses represented God to the people and the people to God. And so there was a compromise. And we're going to see this as we look at some of the Yeshua's other instructions, some of the other things he says. The commands do not, nor can they give us, the heart of God for our lives. The rabbis, with all their many decisions and ponderings, cannot give us the heart of God either. No matter how righteous they may appear, our lives, Yeshua says, must rise above that of the Pharisees. And the reason is Yeshua has a better way for us to live. And it's the heart of God for our lives. We can get to that place by letting the heart of God indwell our hearts, by letting Yeshua indwell our hearts and listening to Him. We have to be disciples of Yeshua. It's not good enough to be disciples of the rabbis. Our righteousness has to exceed that. It's not good enough to be disciples of anyone or anything but Yeshua. It may look righteous and right on the outside. It may look right to us. But to God it's all filthy rags that fall short of the glory of God who is Messiah Yeshua. We need to walk in the footsteps of the Master. That's the way Yeshua uh, lays this out for His disciples. And so let's be those disciples. But how do we become those types of disciples? I said last week that there is nowhere that you can find these statements of Yeshua as to the heart of God for His commandments. Nowhere that you can get this inside information on walking out the commands except Yeshua. The disciples had Yeshua right there with them. They were able to record these thoughts on these few commandments. But we need to ask ourselves, what about the rest of the commandments? What about the commands that Yeshua didn't cover? What's the heart of God for those commands? Well, I put it into a brief statement last week and I even repeated at the start of this message that we need to hear God. We need to hear God. We need to be a people who have prayer lives in relationship with the Holy One of Israel who aren't satisfied 
to leave the house in the morning without the Word of God for their day. A people who have spent the time with God that it takes to have Him follow them throughout the day, guiding your walk so that you're walking in the footsteps of Messiah through the leading of the Spirit. We need to be a people with a heart to serve the Master. We have to be a people of prayer. Do you know that if you take the time in the morning to seek God, if you take the first hour of your day and devoted to conversation with the Holy One of Israel, then the Holy One of Israel will oversee your life. And don't just babble like the pagans do. (laughs) Take time to listen. He wants to have conversation with you. He wants to talk to you. You know, he might have a few problems he wants you to pray about. He'll actually prepare you for everything that will happen throughout the day. And you may think you're losing an hour. You may think, I don't have time for this hour. Friends, you don't have time not to have that hour. Because I can guarantee you that hour will be made up over and over throughout the day. Paul says some things about this. You know, I think, in fact, I know that we most Christians miss most of what Paul says in his letters. Because men have so badly twisted what he says. And we're so far from the circumstances from his, of his letters. But he says some things. Listen to what he says in Galatians. He says, consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are the children of Abraham. And he tells us that we're the sons. We're the children of Abraham. And we got that way because we believe. First, why do you suppose he chooses Abraham? And why do you suppose he doesn't choose Moses or David? I mean, they love the Lord. The Lord loved them. Well, it's because Abraham received the promises of God like we have. But he had no law. He had no Torah. Paul uses Abraham because he, like us, did not have to find... He had to find out how to please God. And Abraham did find out. Let's read a, a Genesis chapter 25 and verse 4 says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring all nations of the earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me. He kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees and my instructions, my laws. And notice what it says, your father through faith. It says, that Abraham obeyed God. He kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my instructions. And the word for law there is Torah. It actually means instruction. And what I want you to see about your father Abraham through faith is that he is in the same boat we are. It was harder for him because he had no written Torah. He certainly didn't have a rabbi. He didn't have a pastor. No theologian to direct him, thank God. And yet he found out, he found the way to please God by obeying his instructions. You see, that's the pattern for our lives. We're the children of Abraham. That's why he uses Abraham. We're not only the sons of Abraham through our faith, but you know, it really gets better. Listen to what he tells us in Romans. He says, but those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. 
Isn't that amazing? Sons of God. But there's a qualifier in there. Did you see that qualifier? Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit. I have to tell you that most are not led by the Spirit. It's not some nebulous thing. It's not something imparted to you at salvation that once you say those words and invite Yeshua into your heart, you're automatically led by the Spirit. Being led by the Spirit simply means that you've taken the time to seek the heart of God for your life and then you lay down your life and you pick up the leading of the Spirit. You allow Him to lead you throughout the day. And the reason that most don't walk by the Spirit is they've forgotten one very important step. You have to take the time and you have to lay down your own life. You have to give your feet over the direction of Yeshua. And I want you to know, to be led by the Spirit, you have to come to a place where you realize the utter futility of living life any other way. And I don't care if you're a pastor who was raised in the finest Christian home and you studied at the finest seminaries and you've led a church for 25 years and it's grown out its door 10 times, if you don't come to the place of realizing no matter what you do, no matter how good it looks, it stinks and you need God. You'll never be led by the Spirit. I don't care if you eat strict kosher, keep meticulous Shabbat, if you have good deeds piled all the way up to heaven. If you don't come to a knowledge of the Messiah and your need for Him to direct your life, you're never going to be led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit, it's not enough to say, I believe in Jesus. You have to say, Lord, I want you to take over my life. I have to live my life like you, so will you guide me? And sometimes it takes just sitting down and saying, Lord, I'm not going to get up out of this spot till I know I got your word for the day. I'm going to sit here until I get your word for the day. won't be long. He'll come along and give it to you. To be led by the Spirit, it's not enough to say, I believe in Jesus. You have to choose. You have to take the time. You're not going to get guidance through life from a preacher or a rabbi, not from Moses or any of his successors. That will not be the leading of the Spirit. And even if you have a truly good pastor who truly is led by the Spirit, even if you get good guidance from Him once in a while, they, like Moses, sooner or later will be up on the mountain and you'll be there all by yourself and you'll fall short of the mark. You're not going to get there on your own because being led by the Spirit requires that you're led. You have to be led. You have to come to a place where you say, Lord, You're the way, the truth, and the life, and I want to live. To be led by the Spirit, you have to realize that your leading or the rabbi's leading or the church's leading is not exactly what God wants. What God wants is to guide you through life directly. And the only way He can do that is if you allow it because you have free will. More than allow, you have to seek after it. You have to ask. You have to desire to have Him lead you. It begins with being born again. It begins with inviting Yeshua into your life to die with Him, to rise, to be baptized, to rise with Him. Dear ones, after that, you have to persevere in Him. 
Determine yourself to walk with Him in everything that you do. Spending the rest of your life waiting on, leaning on Him, listening to His voice. Let Yeshua overshadow your life. You know, I remember crying out to the Lord and saying, You know, Lord, I'm stiff-necked. I'm still stiff-necked. I still have to say it. Because I'm used to going my own way. So, Lord, I don't... I need more than that, just that still small voice in my life. I need you to overpower my life. My voice, my objections, overwhelm me that I can be a, that I can follow you. Let's look at one last thing. Biblical proof of what I'm saying. Abraham was a man who didn't have the commands of God given to Moses. We've, we've talked about that. And yet, he was declared righteous. The Torah says he kept God's instructions and his commands. Listen to what James says about Abraham. Chapter 2 and verse 18. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God? Good, even the demons believe that. And shudder. You foolish man. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. Notice what it says about Abraham. A man who I might add was led by the Spirit. How else could he have found out what pleased God? How else do you suppose he would be able to go and offer his one and only son? There's only one way. He had to have a relationship with God that was so strong and he knew that voice was the voice of God. He knew that he knew that it was God speaking to him. And he followed it. You notice what it says? It says, Abraham was God's friend. Isn't that amazing? God's friend. He's remembered for being God's friend. That's what I want to be. I want to be God's friend. And certainly... If you're led by the Spirit, you want to be God's friend. You want a relationship with God where He calls you friend. I laugh at people sometimes, you know, because people say, well, I want to be a prophet, a teacher, a rabbi, or a pastor. And then they go and they strive in life. They go to school for those things. Let me tell you something. I'd rather be God's friend than God's prophet, God's rabbi, or God's pastor. Because he can appoint people to do those things. But friendship is a whole other matter. If you want to be one of those, I'll tell you something, if you do really want to be one of those things, then be his friend first. And you'll see that it happens for you. Spend the time that you would spend going to school on your face, becoming his friend, and I'll tell you what, he'll add everything else to you. No, it's a lot like being saved. But being saved doesn't mean that you're a friend of God. I've met a lot of saved people, but I've met very few people in my life that I can say are friends of God. 
being saved doesn't even mean that you're being led by the Spirit. I have a lot of people say that they're saved, but I know very few that are led by the Spirit. Becoming led by the Spirit and being God's friend are very close to one and the same. They both have the same result. The only way you can develop true true friendship with God is time spent. The only way you can develop true friendship with anyone is spending time with them, talking to them, communing with them, intercourse of the soul, caring about what they have to say, caring about the problems they have in their life, caring about the things that they're concerned with, talking to each other about your lives. It's the only way you can be led by the Spirit as well. Abraham and God were friends. And God was so much the friend of Abraham that since that time that they became friends, He has put His name and His reputation on the line with Abraham's. We're told He's not ashamed, as the writer of Hebrews points out, to be called by Abraham's name. I am the God of Abraham. He'll identify Himself to anyone as the God of Abraham. What on earth do you suppose it was about Abraham that made him such a friend of God, that God would be called by his name? Wouldn't you love it if God would say, I am the God of, and insert your name. Well, I can tell you how you can get there. You can be led by the Spirit. If you're led by the Spirit, he'll have no problem identifying himself with you because you'll be doing exactly what he would do. And that's why he's not ashamed to be called by Abraham's name. Abraham offered his son just as God offered his son. He was God's friend. And you know, we throw that word friend around quite a bit. You know, words are funny things, aren't they? I'm always amazed by words. Words can mean one thing to one person and mean something entirely different to somebody else. Communication. Biblical words are even worse because they're cheapened when we translate them into English. And this is an excellent example of that, this word friend. If you ask someone, do you know so-and-so? Oh yeah, they're a friend of mine. And then you press them a little farther, you may find out they, they, they did something together at one time or another. Or they talked for 10 minutes at a party. Oh yeah, they're a friend of mine. Think about what Facebook has done to the word friend. <laughs> you really have 3,000 friends? <laughs> Where do you find all the time for 3,000 friends? <laughs> right? I mean, you've got people on Facebook that are your friends you don't even know, you've never even met. <laughs> I have people all the time. Want to be my friend? <laughs> send, send me a friend request on email. Want to be my friend? I'd love to be your friend, but... <laughs> When are we going to find the time? <laughs> Do you see what I mean? The word is cheapened. But you know something? As I thought about that, how sad it is. That's exactly how many Christians' friendship with God is. If you ask them, Do they know Yeshua? Yeah, I know Yeshua. If you press them, you'll find out they go to church once a week. They may have cried out once or twice in their prayer closet when life was so, so miserable. But that's not friendship. Listen to what the word friend means in, in the Greek here. In the Hebrew, it means almost the same thing. 
I just underlined one part. A companion. A companion. One who is a friend is a companion. And that's what God wants to be for you. And that's what God was for Abraham. A constant companion. He wants to be around you. He wants to talk to you, to help you, to lead you. He wants to be your constant companion. Do we still need the commands of Torah? Yes, we do. We can, we can find out what pleases and displeases God in the Torah. And through it, we're aware of our need for the Messiah and our need to be led by the Spirit of God so that we can understand what's written there. But we don't need to spend a whole lot of time trying to live up to its standard by some man's interpretation. Because if we spend that time with your friend, with becoming like your friend, you'll never have to worry about violating its precepts. Let's look at one more thing about being led by the Spirit and being the friend of God and why prayer and being led by the Spirit is key to what I'm saying. Paul tells us in Galatians, in chapter 5, in verse 22, he says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Messiah Yeshua have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so this is how you'll know someone who's led by the Spirit. If you compare this with what we spoke of last week, you'll see that this is the type of people that we need to be, who bring joy and peace and love into the lives of others. Because we're full of patience, kindness, and goodness. Of people who are never angry, but are self-controlled and are gentle. Who are always this way because they're filled with the Spirit. And they're filled with faithfulness. If you display these things, you're led by the Spirit. And you're walking in the footsteps of Messiah. And we know that because God tells us that's who He is. Where do you suppose Paul got this? He got it from Exodus chapter 34 where God tells us who he is. It says, And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. If you want to know what it means to be led by the Spirit, it means that you're becoming like God. It means you have the same qualities He has. It means you're being led by the Spirit. And if you're that way, God will have no problem saying, I am the God of Tom or Steve or whoever. Our highest call is to be led of the Spirit and to be friends of God. And it all begins each morning with a desire to be led by the Spirit throughout the day. Going into your prayer closet and not coming out until you've had the answer for the day. Because God's friends won't take a step in this life without His leading. And so, let's be God's friends. Amen?